0: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a guest with me, Eileen Laird. She is a writer, podcast host, and autoimmune warrior living a vital life with rheumatoid arthritis. She's reached over a million people through her popular website and podcast, Phoenix Helix, where she shares information and inspiration for autoimmune health. On today's episode, we talk about her newly published book called Healing Mindset, a guide to the mind-body connection for people with autoimmune disease. She shares her top three favorite mind-body techniques to help her feel calm and present even during flares. The big question is,
1: Eileen, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Of course. I'm excited that we can connect on this platform and also have more people learn about your book because I recently read it and I absolutely love the layout, the information. It's so easily digestible and able to implement into your day-to-day life. So I'm really excited to get into that. Uh, Before we do, would you mind if I asked you a question from my interview deck?
1: That sounds fun. I'm up for it.
0: (laughs) Awesome. I feel like it's such a great way for our listeners to get to know you a bit better beyond the topic that we're talking about. All right. Your question is, shuffling,
1: your question is, what words do you always struggle to spell correctly? Oh, that's funny. They're one of those things that you notice when you start typing, right? Rather than off the top of your head. It's often the ones that have double consonants like maybe embarrassment, is it two R's or two S's or other words like that. And then spell check comes in very handy.
0: <laughs> yeah. How about dessert or desert? <laughs> oh, there you go. Yes. I,
1: Those are I remember learning, fun.
0: I think it was probably in elementary school, but I remember learning that the reason dessert has two S's is because it's so good that you need a second one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whereas a desert, like no one wants to be in the desert. They just get one S.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's a great, that's a great remembering (laughs) technique. I love it.
0: Yeah. All right. So our listeners may know you from many avenues, your book, as we just mentioned, but also your blog, your website, your on social media, your own podcast. But if our followers or listeners don't know you, can you first explain a bit
1: about your story and your diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. So I have rheumatoid arthritis And I was diagnosed in 2012. So I guess 11 years ago now. And what happened to me was it was called severe and rapid onset. So I went from being a very healthy, very active, quite happy (laughs) woman in my early 40s. And within six months, I was disabled by the level of pain and inflammation in my body. So it started with a little spot in my foot that it hurt. And I thought that was weird. And then it was the exact same spot on the other foot, which for any rheumatologist would be a red flag. And then it started spreading around my body. And so when I was at my worst, I woke up every morning feeling like I was 90. It hurt to move in every way. And that was the good part of my day. And then every night it was when a flare would hit acutely. And whatever joint was involved, I had to immobilize it because it was a gasping, excruciating pain if I moved it. So if it was my wrist, it went into a brace. If it was my shoulder, it went into a sling. If it was my, anything in the lower body, I had to get off my feet. And if it was my jaw, I couldn't open my mouth to speak or to eat. So it was a really terrifying, overwhelming time in my life. Like if we were having this interview in the first year, I'd be crying. Like I couldn't talk about it without crying. It's been enough time now. And I'm doing, I think what happens to a lot of people with autoimmune disease is you learn that you have some resilience. You get the help you need to help you navigate it. While there is no cure, there are ways to improve your quality of life, hopefully symptoms. And if not symptoms, then how you still have an ability to thrive no matter what. So I feel like I'm in that space now. It doesn't mean I never flare, but my flares are much milder. And when I they do happen, I know how to navigate them better. And for me, it was a huge blend of things that helped me. It did open me up to things like diet, lifestyle, mindset, different ways to support my health in ways that I hadn't in the past. It wasn't that I was an incredibly unhealthy person, because like I said, I was active, but I had no dietary restrictions and things like meditation seemed like, well, it's a good idea, but like I could never really see myself doing it, that kind of thing. And then I'm also super grateful for my rheumatologist, my medication combined with these things are are what helps me live my best life.
0: Right. And it's interesting, too, because rheumatoid arthritis is a very different diagnosis than MS, yet there are a decent amount of overlaps. I have some clients in The Missing Link who have rheumatoid arthritis and people message me probably weekly on my Instagram page saying, I have RA, but your exercises are so helpful. So even Mm -hmm. though it's a different diagnosis, there is that overlap. And I think that's why a lot of your strategies and techniques can help a lot of people with autoimmune diseases, not just RA. And one thing that you focus a lot on in your book is that mind-body healing and techniques What things did you try before you got to that point? Cause there are so many, so many things. It's it's almost overwhelming when you just Google like how to live well with chronic illness. There's so many options. Like where did you even start?
1: Yeah. And one thing I will say to the people who don't know me, while I do have RA, every almost everything I write is for people with autoimmune disease in general. And I made a conscious choice to do that from the beginning because I do think we have more in common than not. And there is so much overlap. And so that includes the book. It it talks about just countless different diagnoses. But for me, actually, I I am trying to think what came first. A lot of it came, because my symptoms hit so hard and so fast, I think I was very much scrambling for anything that could help. So I did do a lot of things at once. So I was incorporating dietary changes at the same time I was incorporating the mind body changes. What I will say is the mind body techniques helped me immediately because they allowed me to feel calm in the storm that was happening in my life. Whereas things like dietary changes, it took a while to find what worked for me anyway. And then it takes a while for that to also lead to improvements. And so while that is a big part of my self-care now and, and was then, it wasn't so instantaneous. So like, as an example, really at that rock bottom Almost every night by 7 p.m. I was in a lazy girl chair trying not to move and crying because the pain was so intense and feeling really overwhelmed and really scared and really uncertain on what my future would be and whether, like I often say, it's it's not that I never had life challenges before that, but that was by far has been the biggest one I've ever faced. And it was the first time I didn't know if I had what it took to make it true. I st- found a guided meditation CD called A Lamp in the Darkness, Guided Meditations for Difficult Times. And I just was back with CDs and I hit play on my CD player. And it was just what I needed to hear at the time I needed to hear it. Like for for meditation, I think guided ones are such a great gateway because it's someone else. You, You don't have to sit there in silence and kind of come up with that calm by yourself. It's someone else helping guide you to a calm place. And and it was huge. and It was like I could suddenly breathe deeper and the tears would stop. And I started to feel hopeful again. And I felt like I maybe could make it through this. And then that became something that I needed nightly. So it wasn't like self-discipline that made me continue to harness my body techniques, including meditation. It was that they were so medicinal for me that it made my life so much better to incorporate them, if that makes sense. And now they're habits. I mean, it's been over a decade and they're still a big part of my life.
0: Yeah, that's so powerful. And I think, you know, it's not always the best when you find that we have to do something out of necessity, but it is a, a quick and fast way to get yeah. it to become a habit because without it, the alternative is you're flaring and you're not feeling as, as good and as you could be.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So
0: you mentioned meditation. Let's take a step back. So if this is the first time someone has even heard that phrase of mind-body techniques, Mm -hmm. so meditation falls into that boat. What is that? What constitutes as a mind-body technique?
1: Yeah. So I would say a mind-body technique is a technique that basically engages your mind in a way that reduces stress reactivity and therefore benefits your body in a very physical way. So for anyone listening who's can be kind of a science geek like I can be, it's called psychoneuroimmunology. It's a field of science. You can Google it, go to PubMed. There's thousands of studies now that they have showing the interaction between thoughts and feelings and our nervous system and our immune system, and they're all intertwined. And what I would say to someone who's never really heard of this idea before or think it sounds kind of like, I don't know, new age or woo-woo or whatever It helps to know that there is a scientific foundation for it. But also I think anyone with autoimmune disease who has experienced an autoimmune flare from stress has felt the mind-body connection in an unhelpful direction, right? And there's a lot of research into that, that stress is associated with disease onset, disease exacerbations, and worse disease outcomes, And what the mind-body techniques can do is harness that mind-body connection in a beneficial way. So instead of stress, increasing inflammation in your body in a way that suddenly manifests as autoimmune symptoms, you can do a technique that helps to relax and calm you in a stressful moment or just habitually to kind of lower that stress response throughout the day. Kind of teach you how to manage stress in a more peaceful way, that is going to keep your inflammation lower. And some of the science behind that is really cool. Like meditation reduces C reactive protein, it reduces uh, various other mind body techniques, reduce anti inflammatory cytokines, like laughter can reduce (laughs) anti-inflammatory cytokines. And so uh, gratitude improves sleep. Like It's not all about meditation. So that's one of the reasons in my book, there's 96 techniques, because I know anyone who hasn't done this yet, it's like you hear meditation mentioned all the time. And a lot of people are like enough with the meditation. That's not something I want to do. And so there are lots of other ways you can get this benefit, but it's really quite powerful. I think it helps you feel More in control when life gets out of control, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I am a huge fan of the science behind things because if you don't understand the why, it's less likely that you'll stick to it, myself included. Like the way that my brain works is even if something's really unenjoyable or boring, if I know the science behind what is actually happening in my brain or in my body, I'm so much more likely to just stick through it because it's just, so powerful that our bodies have that type of connection. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned 96 different techniques in your book. Your book is called Healing Mindset. And you mentioned some of this research too, which I personally love because I think that, again, knowing that just arms you with more knowledge so that you can take action, and get that control back. Can you share a bit more about what is in your book? And also I love the structure of your book too. Again, as I mentioned earlier, it just makes sense as you're reading it. It's like the information and then how to implement it. So you can give us more information on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my goal with the book was to basically be a gateway to mind-body techniques for anyone with autoimmune disease and be very beginner-friendly but also for someone who's been engaged in these types of techniques for a while and is looking to dive a little deeper or wants to try something new, there's also something there for you in the book. And then like you, you know, and like I said, I'm also a science geek. So I have, I think there's 141 footnotes in the book, but let me reassure everyone, it's not a textbook. So I write like I'm talking. So I write like it's a conversation between friends. I keep brain fog in mind. That's incredibly common with people with autoimmune disease. So I want, like you said, that it can be easy to read, easy to implement, easy to digest. So I structured the book that a chapter is based on a theme, like say gratitude, for example. And I'll do a little introduction with a little bit about the science. And then I'll do four techniques you can try from easy to a little more challenging. And then there's beginner tips. And then there's troubleshooting if you run into the problems. And then there's further resources. And then there's a research highlight, very specific to that technique. And then there's a personal testimonial of someone with autoimmune disease who has implemented it in their life and talks about how it is helping them. So I wanted it grounded in science, relatable. I wanted people to be able to see themselves in this book And then kind of have you covered. Like if you see the techniques and you want to jump right in, that's great. If you're not quite sure how to jump in, you know, some extra tips. And then, yeah, sometimes we try things and we run into trouble and we think we're the problem or the technique is the problem. And sometimes you just need a little more information to help you try it in a slightly different way and and maybe it'll work better for you. So, So that was my goal with the structure. I'm really happy with it too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love
0: I think my favorite part of the structure is that each chapter has the troubleshooting section because something that I have happened frequently is I'm explaining it how to do an exercise or why something is important and always there's someone that says, "Yeah, but it doesn't work for me." Or, "But I can't do this." "But I can't do that." And that's what that troubleshooting section is like, "Okay, but if this is happening, if it's not doable or if it's not going the right way, here's an option for you. And so I think it's very inclusive and accessible, as you said, for beginners. But even if you're just an advanced mind body practitioner, or, you know, just you've been working on it for a while, you just need more ideas. It's there's something in there for everyone. So yeah, I just, I love the layout. What about specifically for multiple sclerosis? I know you've mentioned before that there's a lot of carryover between RA, and just all autoimmune diseases. What about MS specifically? Is there anything in there for that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let me give a quick overview of some of the general benefits that apply to people with MS. And then I'll share a couple of studies specific to people with MS. And I did really try to do that when I was finding my research to choose. I mean, like I said, there's thousands of studies. I went by diagnosis because I was like, if someone has Graves' disease, they're going to want to know what about me? If someone has MS, they're going to want to know what about me. And uh, thankfully, there's more and more research in, in all of these ways, which is great. But you know, some of the benefits which you've alluded to is less stress reactivity, but that leads to less inflammation, less pain, less fatigue, which I know is a really big symptom for a lot of people with ms can be quite debilitating less brain fog <laughs> which i had mentioned and then on the flip side there's you get more of certain things so like i had said earlier sleep tends to improve you get better digestion which the whole gut brain connection is huge for all of us but i would think especially for people with ms relationships tend to improve your willpower for healthier choices tends to improve and then just overall quality of life so a lot of the studies will look at, I think, symptom questionnaires for people with very specific things. And then they look at it as a whole. And I think they call it a QOL questionnaire, quality of life questionnaire. So for MS, they did a study. We'll start with meditation (laughs) because it's one of the most well-researched, right? And they did a group of people with MS And gave them standard care, no meditation training. And then another group of people with MS who had the standard care but added meditation training. And there was a dramatic difference between the two groups by the end of the study. And some of it is mood related, which you would expect, like less depression and less anxiety. But there was also less fatigue, which I think is really huge. And that is a very physical feeling, not just a mental feeling. And then an overall improved quality of life. And what was cool about that study is once it was over and the people were no longer attending like meditation trainings, they checked in with them six months later and reassessed and all of those improvements stayed so people didn't lose them, which I think is really, really cool. And then another study showed very similar results with guided visualizations, which I think is great for anyone for whom meditation doesn't quite resonate and where it's a little different, like a guided meditation, there's lots of different types, but like if it was a classic one, trying to help you focus on your breath, the guidance is more tips, like settle into your body, get in a comfortable position, breathe in a way that's comfortable for you. If your mind wanders, bring your attention back to the breath. you have this kind of like coach, right? Like a meditation coach. When your mind goes off in one direction, it kind of calls you back. Whereas guided visualization fills your mind with really powerful, soothing imagery, like the entire time. So it gives your brain something to focus on. So thoughts actually don't come in as much, I think, because your brain is thinking about the visualization. And that can be something who don't feel that meditation resonates. Guided visualizations can be uh, a really beautiful. Like I said, same thing, improved mood, improved quality of life, improved fatigue with lasting results.
0: Yeah, and it's so nice to have those different options because not only is each person different, but even day to day, someone might do better with meditation or worse with meditation. They might want to do the visualization. Yeah. I know my dad is a perfect example of any anything calming actually gives him anxiety. Like he yeah. tries to do meditation and it just, his heart starts racing. Mm-hmm. He's done yoga classes, the same thing. He hates it, but visualization he can do. And mm-hmm. so it's nice that you provide so many different options because if something doesn't work, give another one to try. And you've got 95 more to try because there's exactly. so many. So you've got 96. Can you give us maybe like your top three favorite ones?
1: Yeah. So I will preface this by saying, I don't know if I have favorites, but I picked three for this interview because I think it really is different, like you said, for each person and for each day. And so one that I'll start with, I love because it's incredibly easy. You can do it anytime, anywhere. And it's just called light and shadow. And it comes from a chapter called present Moment. And so a lot of mind-body techniques, their whole goal is to put you in the present moment, often tuning into your senses. And that can be really relaxing because a lot of the stress is negative thoughts going through our head that may be conscious and may be unconscious. So it kind of takes us out of our mind for a moment and puts us here. So it takes us out of our worries, out of our fears. And so one of my favorites is just called light and shadow. So anyone listening can do this right now. So what you do is just look around the room where you are sitting if you're driving you know keep focusing on the road and just notice where light is falling and where shadows are falling and what patterns you see and so like if i look into the upper corner where there's a lamp there's a very soft glow going up and then there's a sharp line and there's just something about noticing it something i never noticed before it's actually quite beautiful like i have a pink lamp over here by the window And it's curved ceramic. And so the sunlight coming in is like falling like in abstract puddles on the lamp. And it's also really pretty. And so what I love about it is when you think of like cats and dogs who find the sunlight and lie in it, and I think they like the warmth. But there's also something just beautiful about noticing things we don't notice. We spend so much time, I think, in our heads that it just reminds us to look around us. And I remember I, I did this exercise with Terry Walls, and she said it was also fun to just notice things in the room that made her smile that wasn't light and shadow. Like she carries, I think it's a poop, a stuff to like poop. Yes, she talk does about <laughs> gut health. I think it's so cute. Yeah. So she had it on her um, shelf. And so she had forgotten about it. She hadn't used it in a while. And we were doing this during the Instagram live, and then she just started laughing when she saw it there. So just. Looking around you, and you can do it anywhere, and there's always something to see. And the reason I mentioned the lights is that's not traditional. Like, I'm not asking you to find a flower if there's no flower nearby to see, or a bird's call, or something that may not be accessible to you right now. It's like the toddler mindset, I think. They notice fascinating things all the time, right? I love that. I did that
0: as you were explaining it. I was looking around, and w- the first thing I felt was slowing down. Yeah. Like my mind was only focused on that on, and not like five other things at the same time, which is rare. So it, it was yeah. very, it was calming just in the, what, maybe one, one to two minutes that you were explaining it.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's instantly accessible everywhere you yeah. are. So that one, remember that one, mm-hmm. light and shadow for our listeners. Another one that I love is called, what does your body do Right. And I think it's from the befriending your body chapter. I mean, people with autoimmune disease, we have a complicated relationship with our body. And I think part of a healing mindset is to develop a friendship and feel like we're partners instead of enemies. And that can be hard to do when you're not feeling well. And when I am experiencing an autoimmune flare, I am very focused on the flare and I am forgetting Everything my body is doing right. And living with a chronic illness for a number of years, you can get very vigilant. I do. I mean, I kind of track how I'm feeling, track my symptoms. I'm very tuned in. If something is starting to feel not quite right, I'm where am I going to moderate? You know, can I or do I have to ride this out? I don't spend a lot of time saying thank you to my body. This exercise is to pull out a piece of paper, your journal, and write down 10 things that your body is doing right. And it can be really powerful to just remember and notice and write them down. And for anyone who's listening, who's like, my body isn't doing anything right, because the mind can be very argumentative when it's in a negative space. It likes to stay there. I'll give you a few reminders to help kind of break through that. And one thing is that we have trillions of cells in our body and trillions of processes happening every second. And I am not exaggerating like that is scientifically accurate. It's happening all the time outside of our awareness it's allowing Gretchen and I to have this conversation it's allowing you to listen it's monitoring you know it's keeping your heart beating you're breathing without paying attention to your breathing there's digestion happening all of these things that we don't notice unless there's a problem so when i come up with my list even if i'm in say experiencing a lot of joint pain i can say i can still see i can still hear I can still taste and there are things that are I love to eat that I still love. I might snuggle with my husband and feel like that feels really soothing. I'm grateful for the sense of touch. And then, like I said, the organs. Like, what about like I can't feel my pancreas? I don't, I know where it's located, but it's not like it has sensations, but it's helping me every day, all day stay healthy. And I think it can be really powerful and, and just shift you out of, I don't say this judgmentally to anyone else. I say it because I can get here is a victim mindset when I'm just too focused on what's wrong. And I feel like everything is unfair. It kind of shifts me into a broader perspective. And instead I can say, okay, I'm experiencing challenges. My body is doing its best and look at everything it's doing that I never say thank you for. So this one's called, what does your body do right?
0: I like that one. I've had people in the past who focused on the more victim type mindset. And it infused their entire personality Mm -hmm. and their entire being, and so I think it's so positive. Or how do I want to phrase this? It's such a powerful approach. To it can still be there. It's you know not completely getting rid of it, but just to focus on a different side. Not only will you feel better, but I think other people would notice a difference too, just in the way that you're interacting with yourself and with others, mm-hmm. because it's that victim mindset is just so powerful and it can be really hard to get out of.
1: Yeah. And you're much less likely to be open to anything that'll help you get out of it actually, because you're right. feeling very hopeless in that, yeah. in that position. And so, yeah, an exercise like this kind of, you, you'll you feel an expansiveness with it. Mm-hmm. You know, a flip side of this, just as you were talking is you could also do, what do I do right? If you're someone who criticizes yourself a lot, that can be really powerful because I know that's super common, I think in general. And then I think one of the things I talk about in the book is we want our body to stop attacking ourselves. Or are we willing to do the same? Mm-hmm. So if you start to notice that inner critic, no one's perfect and we can't necessarily quiet it forever, but another friend and colleague calls it nurturing the inner friend and just you could write down 10 things you do right. So that's another way to kind of ironically i think break out of that victim mindset too because i think part of it is is just negative in every way and i think it's also not necessarily very loving towards mm-hmm. yourself so but that wasn't the third one the third one i was going to share is called affirmations and so a lot of listeners have probably call, heard of affirmations right where you say positive things to yourself to improve your mindset and research shows that for some people that's really helpful but for another set of people it is not So if you're the type of person who never resonated with affirmations and instead disagrees with them all the time, like, so say an affirmation is I am well in mind, body, and spirit. And so someone who's good with affirmations feels healthier just by saying that. And someone who doesn't love affirmations, their brain says, you are not. Like, what What? What are you saying? You're not. And it just starts this, you know, very intense, stressful argument in your mind. So if are turning it into the form of a question, which is really simple, but really interesting because it opens your mind up to the possibilities. So you would say, what if I am well in my body and spirit? And your brain, instead of looking for reasons you're not well, suddenly starts looking for reasons that you might be well. Like, what if, I am gaining more energy. What if my brain is building new pathways, the neuroplasticity that Gretchen talks about all the time? What if I am getting stronger? What if I am capable of achieving my goals? Like it's just a totally different energy. And for me personally, I was one of those people who didn't like affirmations and I love affirmations. My brain loves affirmations.
0: That's so great. I am someone who loves affirmations. Okay, I yeah. know a, I know a ton of people who don't though. And in my mind, I'm like, but how how can you not believe it? Like just say it and believe it. Yeah. But the majority of my friends don't understand that. So I feel like affirmations will be perfect for them because it yeah. does get your mind open to it without trying to convince yourself that that thing is already true.
1: And that is what's fun about my body techniques. And when I was researching them and choosing the ones to put in the book is a lot of it is just working with your brain in a slightly different way, you know, coming at it sideways instead of direct. So when you try and for example, if someone's having a negative thought spiral and you say to yourself, stop it, stop it. Like that usually doesn't work, but you could try so many different mind-body techniques that does. The brain is open to suggestions, but can be very um, set in its ways when you try and come at it directly.
0: <laughs> yeah. One, one thing that's been in the back of my mind during this whole conversation is I was working with a client once and, and I hear this quite often, but this specific client was saying, you know, I just feel so bad about myself when I'm exercising. I think these or I think of this person who's like a miniature version of me in my head. And she's just telling me like, this is awful. You used to do so much more. It's not worth it. And I just want to kick her. Like I, I literally picture myself kicking her out of my head. And we did this practice. I was like, okay, picture that miniature version of you, but instead of kicking her, hug her. And, you know, and, and, you know, let's change that dynamic. And so she did. And by the end, it, it was a completely different conversation. And so there's so many different techniques that will work for each and every person just in a different way. But she never even thought to hug that miniature version of herself. So I'm excited for people to learn about your book, because I think so many of these are things that they're right there, accessible to all of us. If we know that they're there. But if we're not open to that and we don't know, then you, we're just stuck in our ways. Exactly. That's such a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, where can people find your book? And also, you've got many other resources. So, not only your book, but where can people find you if they do want to follow you
1: and learn more? Sure. Absolutely. So, the book is available in paperback and Kindle on Amazon websites around the world. So if you live in a country with Amazon, that's a great place to find it. You can also go to my website, phoenixhelix.com, and I'll spell it because I know it's kind of a weird name. That's another P-H-O-E-N-I-X. That's very hard for people to spell. I'll tell you, H-E-L-I-X.com, and you'll find it on my homepage, and you can download a PDF version instantly if that's what you prefer. And when you go to my homepage, you'll find you know articles and my podcast. My podcast is called Phoenix Helix 2. You can find it in your favorite podcast app. And one thing I'll tell people is right now, this year, every other episode, I'm doing something called a mindset mini where I share a technique from the book so that you can implement it that day. And they're less than 10 minutes. So that's kind of a, another fun way to supplement the book. And the other episodes are more traditional interviews like you and I are doing right now.
0: Awesome. And I will put all of those links in the show notes too. So if anyone is driving or can't access them now, you can get those later. So we'll include all those there. This has been eye-opening, and I just feel calmer after this conversation. I hope our listeners do too. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your expertise with us. This was
1: such a pleasure. Thank you so much.